Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share Home Threads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to HomeThreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Dinner and I Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. HomeThreads, love where you live. That's HomeThreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As a resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven-roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Stacy. I'm a baker at heart and you're a savory cook to the core. I can't live without a box of frozen chicken nuggets and you're strictly DIY. I'm team hamburger. You love hot dogs, but we agree on a lot and nothing more enthusiastically than dessert. Dessert! I couldn't agree with you more. And we don't just believe in dessert for ourselves. We believe in dessert for everyone, which is why we love Enlightened Desserts by the makers of our favorite snack, Bada Bean Bada Boom. Enlightened offers low-sugar, feel-good desserts that anyone can enjoy no matter what their food choice is. From light ice creams and snackable cookie dough bites, yum, to low-carb, single-serve cheesecakes and dairy-free desserts. You probably know me well enough to know this already, but I cannot get enough of the Enlightened Single Serve Cheesecakes. And because they are low carb, which is how I try to eat, I sometimes enjoy them as a lunch dessert without worrying about any kind of crash that will destroy my afternoon. You also know me well enough to know that all I care about are the flavors. Enlightened's <laughs> variety is huge and right up my alley. From cookies and cream to marshmallow peanut butter, chocolate chip cookie dough to caramel fudge pretzel. Bring it on. Woo! Feel good desserts for all. Delivered frozen straight to your door when you order from eatenlightened.com. Find out more about Enlightened and grab a link to their site from didn'tijustfeedyou.com. And don't forget to use the code DIJFY10 to get 10% off of your order and free shipping. We can give you a long list of what we use all day long, but if you're not really thinking objectively about like how you actually cook and you're buying cans for like aspirational cooking, you're just going to run out of covered space. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. 
Hey, before we jump in, don't forget to subscribe right now, right where you're listening. And if you're feeling extra generous today, leave us a rating and review too. Those ratings really help other busy parents and home cooks find us. Hey, don't you think people should also join our listeners community also? (gasps) Yeah, I think we should maybe let people know at the beginning of the episode that the password is whiskey. Although you're supposed to listen to the end of the episode. That's the point of burying it, you guys. It is the point, but we want you to be there. It's actually grown so much that we're going to sacrifice some potential growth to get you in there (laughs) because it is such a helpful, warm, useful community that actually I turn to when I'm like, ah, I'm done cooking. Help. It's actually my favorite place on the internet. It is. It is. So everyone's so lovely and kind. There's not like mean comments. And as soon as one person asks a single question, there's like at least 18 responses before we even get in there to answer too. Yeah. It really can be like the number you call when you're having a cooking emergency. Yes. 100%. So it's on Facebook. Look for groups. Didn't I just feed you listeners? That's where it is right now. Password is whiskey. Join us. Yay! Speaking of our listeners, this is like a most requested episode that we've kind of been putting off. (laughs) Why have we been putting it off? I don't know, but you're right. We have been. Oh, because it's really hard to be like, we're kitchen professionals. Like every piece of equipment in our kitchen is essential. But you guys want to know, like, if you're starting from scratch, maybe you remodeled your kitchen. Maybe you had a divorce and you're rebuilding a kitchen. Maybe your house burned down in a fire and you're rebuilding a kitchen. Or you're sending one of your older kids off into the world and you need to know what to send them off with. We Everyone just wants to know, like, what are essential tools that we keep in our kitchens and that we feel like every kitchen should have? And that's really hard to narrow down, actually. <laughs> and maybe you've been looking at your kitchen stuff. Three times a day, every day for the last year. And you're like, oh, my God, (laughs) I don't get what can I get rid of one new thing or get rid of this. I'm going to scream. We understand that, too. (laughs) Ask us more about it in that listeners group. Also, I feel like three times a day is being generous. Uh, Like I'm in there like six, seven times a day for various reasons. Let's All right. (sighs) Okay. So let's start at the top. I feel like if you're going to invest money in anything in your kitchen, it is knives. A hundred percent. Quality knives above quality cookware. Yes. I'm going to actually go there. I No, I actually agree with you. I think you can get away with um, inexpensive pans or like minimal pans for a long time. But if you have bad knives, you're going to avoid your kitchen like the plague. A hundred percent. So like a great quality pan is going to help you get a better sear. It's going to help you cook more evenly. And these are things that are great when you're upping your cooking game. But like, honestly, when we're heating up fried frozen fried chicken. (laughs) Like, it doesn't really matter. Knives are actually going to help you go faster and have an easier job. So knives are going to save you time. I'm not joking about this. Okay. I think two, you need a chef's knife, which is like a larger knife. It could be an eight inch or a 10 inch. Yep. 
And I think you need a paring knife and a good serrated knife. Do you think there are any other knife styles that you have to have? No. And I will tell you that it's definitely important to have a paring knife. Really, they say that your the size of your knife should match the size of your job or like what it is that you're cutting up. So using a really big eight-inch knife on a lemon or, you know, if you're trying to segment Seating something. a jalapeno. Yes, exactly. Yeah, taking the That's tops perfect. off of strawberries. You're going to have so much more waste. And it's it's dangerous. But I will say that I have, I use a 10-inch chef's knife and then I have an 8-inch like Japanese ceramic knife that's just Mm -hmm. really usable. It's like nice and light and doesn't need to be honed. And sometimes I use that for the small jobs. Like I'm not supposed to, but I I feel like you can't get away with it. But I would say if you're going for all purpose, either an eight to 10 inch and a pairing and the bread knife. Yes. And I feel like those sort of santoku or a utility knife is sometimes what the smaller knives are are called is actually like if I was going to add a fourth knife to this list it would be that especially if you have budding home cooks from ages eight and up just investing in a nice santoku for them is actually going to make their job easier and your job easier do you have specific knife brand recommendations that you want to throw out I I mean, I have Wusthof knives that I've had forever that I really love and still like serve me well. They have a nice weight to them. You don't, if you're not an experienced home cook or you're like a little nervous with knives or you have a little one that's gonna, or a teenager that you want to start helping in the kitchen, the more lightweight the knife, the easier it is for it to get out of control and for you to like slip and hurt yourself. So you wanted to have a nice good heft in your hand so that you can be in control of it and not the other way around. So I really like Wusthof for that. That's a great, I think that's a really great recommendation. I could go off on a little rant and say the best knife for you is the knife that fits your hand and price point is sort of like irrelevant. I have found awesome knives at like TJ Maxx home goods stores that I'm like able to touch and see and they're under 50 bucks. Like I have a, a really nice J.H. Henkel knife that yes, came from TJ yes. Maxx and it was super cheap and I've had it for 15 years and it's still just as great as the day I bought it. People talk a lot about Global is another yes, big one. Yes. I won't let my kids near Global. It's really lightweight. I love it. I think it's a little lightweight. It's definitely on the pricier side, but it is, it's a beautiful knife. Yeah. I've been gifted really fancy Japanese, like handcrafted, and then I never really use it. So I do like, be careful. You really don't have to spend a lot of money. Like it doesn't have to be a splurge. I think your advice about whatever fits your hand and feels good, where you feel like you're in control is great. Yeah. And I will say, I have not actually tried them directly, but I know a ton of other food writers, food editors who have used them and love them, and I trust their recommendations, is Misen knives. Oh, I have a Misen knife. Do you? And do I you was like gifted it? one. I do really like it. It actually is a really good in-between. It's It's affordable for a very high-quality knife. And it doesn't have quite the same weight as a Henkel or a Wusthof, but it isn't as lightweight as Global. It's really nice and has this like beautiful like blue handle that's nice. I think that's a great recommendation. Yeah, especially if you're like it's for college kids, right? Something very affordable. And I think they sell them in sets now. So you could buy like a little set and send them off with that. Totally. 
Okay. I feel like we can't move on from knives without talking about mandolins. I agree. A mandolin is essential. I'm glad you to hear you say I was like, ooh, is Stacey going to disagree no, with me? Totally essential. So here's my framework going into this episode. Just trying to distinguish what is right for my kitchen as a professional versus the home, average home cook. I'm trying to think about what will save you guys time, right? And a mandolin is going to save you so much time and can be bought for $10 on Amazon. So the number one task that takes home cooks a really long time and slows them down is chopping because you guys are a little slower than us because you're not chopping quite as frequently (laughs) as us. It's true. It's true. And I remember when I was slower, it's a real pain in the butt and you're a little bit more cautious. It's just, you know, you don't have the same muscle memory. It takes a long time. So you want good, sharp knives that fit your hand. And then you also like side note, you want recipes that don't require a ton of chopping. But you can listen to our episode on how to choose the right recipe for you for more on that. But yeah, mandolin makes it so easy. Yes. And I would highly recommend a Japanese style mandolin over a French mandolin. The biggest difference is most Japanese mandolins are plastic, although they're very durable. And you're going to be able to find one for less than $30. It doesn't have like a stand on it. So you're either kind of holding it up over your cutting board to slice things or setting it over a bowl to slice things versus a French mandolin is set up as its own like its own small appliance almost like it has feet. They're kind of big and bulky and they're definitely going to put you in the hundred dollar price point. Yes. I'm never going to say it correctly, but it's like Ben Reiner, B-E-N-R-I-N-E-R, is this brand of Japanese mandolin that has been around for like 75 years. You can find them at your local Asian market. You can buy them on Amazon. They're super sharp. And they come with like three little inserts. So you can julienne, you can shred, you can even like kind of grate your your hard vegetables on yeah. your mandolin instead of also dirtying your box grater. Oh, uh-huh. box grater. <clears throat> Are we trying to start a little something here? What I'm always down to cloud, Stacey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because I was going to go to the microplane and from what episode is that where we have that? It is our one other tool centric episode where we talked about our favorite kitchen tools under $50. So like things that are really good for gifting, but they're like maybe not essential. And we had a really hot debate about box (laughs) grater versus microplane, which if you can afford it, I think you should have both. You're worth it. Such a low blow to me because that's like you're worth it. Like treat yourself. You're appealing to their like deepest like desires. Yes. And I'm going to be like, no, yes, don't. Yes, I am. Now you're instantly right because you told them they're worth it. Well, you guys, I think you're worth it too. And I'm going to tell you <laughs> to take the money you save on your box grader and buy a new lipstick. Obvs. Obviously. Okay. Well. <laughs> I feel like we okay. might have to move on. No. Okay. Let's talk about this. Four-sided box grater you think is essential. I do. I love um, the one from OXO that comes with a little like catch for everything that you grate. And it has four sides. <laughs> I don't know if that's all I have to say. And 
you use it and you think it's essential. You know why it's essential? Because I use a box grater to grate cold butter for my biscuit recipe. And so I can't live without it. But like also grating carrots to throw in ramen for my kids, grating big blocks of cheese, which saves money. Although you could argue, you know, you could do that in the food processor. So... Yeah. yeah. So between my food processor and my, I have two sizes of microplanes. My bigger microplane that takes care of shredding vegetables and cheese for me. Yeah. I don't know. I've never used my bigger microplane, the one that makes like the box grater size grates. Yeah. We'll link to it. I've never tried grating with it. Well, at some point in the distant future, I'm going to come to your house and try it and make biscuits for you. So. Oh, okay. Then you'll shut your mouth about it. (laughs) Damn. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. So you definitely want a grater or two of different varieties. But again, that's like, what are you doing in the kitchen? Like, Stacey is continually grating lemon zest onto everything that she's cooking (laughs) for her family. So she needs a microplane. I don't use a microplane as much because I'm grating all the butter for biscuits and pie, pie dough and stuff. So... There think about that before go. you make a purchase. I think Speaking, that's great. So, okay. Oh, where yeah. are you going to go? Because we're in the chopping area. I know. Chopping means you need something to chop on. And I think this is another super place to spend your kitchen essential budget. I agree. Cutting boards are very important. Do you have a dedicated meat cutting board? I do. I have, well, one, I have a really big, like, wooden cutting board that basically stays out all the time. I don't know if it's a name brand or not, but it's like a booze board kind of thing. It's like heavy. It has handles. And then I have several like plastic cutting boards that are specifically for me. And they're not like labeled like this one is for chicken and this one is yeah. for beef. They're both they're actually part of an OXO set and they have little feet on them so they're non-slip. They were really affordable. They have the little wells for like if you use them for carving yep. a turkey, they catch the drips. And they're actually about the the my favorite of the two is about the same size as my wooden wooden cutting board. So a lot of times I just like prop it up on there, cut up my chicken, take that to the wash, and then can carry on with cooking or chopping up the rest of dinner that way. What about you, chicken lady? We talk about like cleaning and materials in our episode on how to cook chicken so that it's as delicious as it is convenient. But the recap here is that you want to get cutting boards made of the hardest material possible, especially the ones for meat in particular, because the bacteria will fester in any kind of crevices, even if you disinfect it, even if you put it in the dishwasher, anywhere where it can like seep in, it's going to. And if it doesn't get washed and dried both of those washed and dried completely, bacteria will fester there. So look for a really hard material like maple is really good. You know, something that won't get knife marked. Walnut, cherry, oak is soft. So, you know, that's not as good. And then once your cutting board has a ton of knife marks, that's a sign no matter what material that you either don't want to use it for meat anymore or you want to get a new one. So I have one really big one made of hardwood. And then I have two other ones, like actually three others, because I have two medium ones, one for meat, one for other stuff, and then one really small one. Then I just want to like make the kids school lunch or like cut up some school veggies. Like I bring out like a really small cutting board. Okay. I just wanted to add 
that there are also brands that make those like composite cutting boards. So they're yes. hardy wood, but they're also super lightweight and it, they're really affordable. Epicurean's a brand I think of. I think OXO makes some, though I'm less sure about that as I'm saying it. If, if they do, we'll link to them for sure. And then I also like, I know this is not really cool, but I also have a couple of those very flimsy plastic cutting boards, which I don't use as much for cooking and baking, but they're really great for things that happen in my kitchen, like slime making or Play-Doh or when my kids were little finger painting. Yeah, that's Um, great. So don't shy away from having those things if you find them useful in your kitchen, even if they're not just for cooking. Can I ask you a question? Do you own an Epicurean cutting board? Do I'm like, is it an Epicurean or is it Hoxo? Like I can't for some reason I think it's Hoxo. My two middle ones are Epicurean. And I'm just gonna give a PSA that one of them, the one I use for vegetables, and I'm not like as paying attention to its upkeep, you know, it started to like pill. Mm. I do put it in the dishwasher, which I believe you're supposed to be able to. I don't put I my wood ones too. in the dishwasher, yeah. but the Epicurean ones I do. And it started to like pill and like get on my food and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, time to get a new one. Yeah. So, but how long, like, what do you expect the, sh- the life of a cutting board to be? That's a really great, great question. I definitely keep mine too long. <laughs> I would say that if you, if it's been three years, I get, it also depends on how much use it gets. Cause that's really the point. Yeah. You know, like the way that I cook, I would say like every like two years, yeah. I could get a new one. I feel like that's a short period of time, but like, is that how long you've had your Epicurean? I feel like you've had it for a long time. No, I've had mine for longer. When it started to pill, it had definitely been like four years. Yeah. You know, but it was, it really was starting to break down. But I put that in the dishwasher literally every single night. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that people love the composite cutting boards for. I mostly use mine because it has like big, uh, it has rubber feet and like big wells around the side. I use it for like carving the turkey. Got it. Kind of thing. I don't have any plastic ones that I use. So I was using that for everything. Yeah. So I think that's nice. Like there's a variety. That creates a variety of price points. Like the booze, big wooden cutting boards are, they look nice and they're going to last forever because you can just like sand them down when they start to get too many cut marks. But they're very expensive versus like the Epicurean, even what is that brand material that makes like the plastic composite boards also like any of those are going to be the nice middle of the road and they're going to be long lasting but they're not going to be like something that you hand down to your children yes i feel like we spent a lot of time in our like mini tool episode talking about like all the little things like peelers and zesters and juicers that you need but we didn't talk enough about pots and pans yes because that's where you're spending more money so let's talk about cookware Do you buy a whole set of cookware? Did you just like go and buy like one brand set of cookware? I did not. Would you recommend that? I think it really, really depends. Like if you have some expendable budget or there's a brand because it's really different now. I've had my cookware for so long that like with all these direct to consumer brands, they are putting cookware sets together in a much more thoughtful and stripped yes. down way because I don't know, I associate it with like millennials. <laughs> they're <laughs> they're marketing to people who are like cooking at home more and really interested, but also a little bit more budget conscious. It's it feels like there's a whole different market. So I think it really depends. If there's a brand that you're interested in that you like, 
that's selling a kit and it's affordable to you, get it. I think that if you're really trying to save money, it's good to kind of pick and choose what you need because often those sets have things that you don't really need or won't necessarily use all the time. And I think we should be thinking about like, what are you going to use all the time? What's the most stripped down you can get? Okay. So what do you use all the time? So I use my large Dutch oven all the time. The most. The The very most. most. I use it for almost everything. (laughs) And are you going to name names? Are you going to share what? Because I actually know that you have two large Dutch ovens. I do. So I have an oval one and a round one. You were kind enough to gift me the oval one, and now I use them both, just depending on what I'm cooking. But before you gifted that to me, literally for years, I used my, is it a 10-quart or a 12-quart? I'm not sure. I'll make sure to link to it in the show notes, the right one. Le Creuset round Dutch oven for so much, from bread to stews to soups to, I honestly even cook my pasta in it. And, you know, some people have like a whole separate like pasta with an insert. I have one of those. I never, ever drag it out. (laughs) Ever. Yeah, same. I do everything in my Dutch oven. Okay. I have a Dutch oven. Well, I have two. But I don't think I use, like, I use it when I'm going to make like a big batch of soup or like I'm going to braise something. I'm more likely to reach for like my four core all clad pot for cooking pasta for just like my family. Or I think I, I think I have a maiden pot that I think is maybe like an eight quart pot. And I use that more often for cooking pasta. That's so interesting. So why? I think it's that like the Dutch oven takes more time to heat up in my brain. I don't know if this is actual. And so like I just want to like put the big pot of water over high heat and like let it blast. And I feel like my Dutch oven requires like a little bit more tenderness. Got it. So I like stain like the stainless steel. I have a bunch of all clad, which are very pricey, but I bought them piecemeal or they were gifted to me. And like I would never go and buy a full all clad set because they also have sales a couple times a year and you can find seconds of all clads. Like if you want to invest in a set of all all clads, like do it piece by piece and just buy the sizes that you need. It's much more affordable, easier on storage, and then they last forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So I literally could just use my Dutch oven. That could be my only pot. And then like, of course, it's nice to have a small sauce pan, which or is actually a pan. pot. Yeah. Well, I want to do pans differently, right? Okay. So, like a pot, they call it a sauce pot pan sometimes, but it's a three quart pot. It's like a small pot. Yeah. I sometimes will use, even though it's a little bit of cheating, I'll use my, I have a double boiler that I really rarely use and would not consider essential. But if you bake a lot or you do stuff with chocolate and sweets and you want a double boiler, you could cheat and use the bottom as your sauce pot too. (laughs) It's your sauce pan. I've never thought of that before. Yeah. So it's a little smaller than a traditional sauce pan, but you could, that could be a way of getting like more bang for your buck. I love that. And it also saves a lot of space. Can we take a small side journey to talk about those sort of like pans that are that are very millennial targeted? You see them everywhere on Instagram, especially around the holidays. I felt like I could not get away from the Our Place pans. Yeah. Would you buy that? Yes or no? Just purely based on seeing it, never having tried it. 
I've been curious and I just feel like I have too much. I think I do get the appeal. Like if you're starting from scratch, yeah, I don't know. Like for steaming, I have a flexible silicone steamer insert that I use with my Dutch oven. I use everything with my Dutch oven. (laughs) So I don't feel like I have need for it, but I do get the appeal. People seem to love it, but I don't know. I almost broke down and bought one just to see. And then I was like, I so don't need that. Yeah. How about you? I feel the same way. I feel like you can get a cast iron skillet that's like also will be nonstick and serve all of those purposes, like goes from stovetop to oven. You could steam in it. You can fry in it for like a third of the price. And so I would rather like recommend that because we also don't know like some of those cookware brands that are new, especially that have like nonstick surfaces on them. We don't actually know what the longevity of those are, like especially for heavy cooking families. And so it's hard to recommend it. 100%. Can we pause for a second and talk about the difference between a skillet and a pan if we're going to move into pan territory? Yeah, I'd love that. Okay. What is the difference between a skillet and a pan? So a skillet (laughs) is what you think of as a frying pan. Like it has sloped sides Mm -hmm. and is kind of shallow, like angled sides, you know, the flat bottom and kind of angled up. Whereas a saute pan has vertical sides and is a little bit deeper. So if you're making chicken parmesan all in one pan where you want it to be really saucy, you would do that in what is technically a saute pan with yes. those straight vertical sides and not flared ones. You know, if you're frying chicken cutlets, no sauce, you're going to grab a skillet. And I really believe, so right now where my tally is, is one huge Dutch oven. <laughs> and then I have one large, like 10, 12 inch skillet and one large 10, 12 inch saute pan. Okay. I think that's pretty good. I wouldn't like really disagree. I might add a small, like two quart saucepan, something that you can quickly cook, like a box, a single box of mac and cheese in or ramen. I also, it's also the pan I reach for the most for like making caramels or quick sauces. It's usually like the one, the all clad one I'm thinking of is a little bit deeper. It's not like as wide as a three quart sauce pan, but it's just like super efficient. And it's actually for a while was my favorite gift to take to people for their wedding. That's like, a, that's great. Weeknight cooking. And a cast iron. And, and the then cast we should iron, talk about the cast, cast iron. iron. Yeah. Cast iron is like kind of its own beast. Yes. They're usually really inexpensive. Like if you buy a lot, a large skillet, I think a 10 inch or 12 inch is great depending on the size of your family. I use my 12 inch the most, but I like having a 10 inch for um, making cornbread, for baking biscuits, for making Dutch babies. So I think you really just have to think about like which size you're going to use. I would not say you need two cast iron skillets. I think you need one cast iron skillet. And then I also think you should spend a little bit of money on a nonstick skillet, which I feel like might be controversial. No, I was going to say the one pan that I'm going to throw into the mix is a small nonstick skillet. The same way you were saying like a small little pan for doing caramel and mac and cheese. 
for eggs because we cook eggs all the time and you just want something like quick and easy to fry eggs, to scramble eggs. Yeah. And honestly, if you don't have a microwave and you just need to like reheat a single serving of something, a little nonstick skillet is going to save your life. It's awesome for making single grilled cheeses. I think you could do like a small six inch one, but also an eight inch one would let you use it as like also your your saute pan too if you feel if you like nonstick. The concern, right, is that there's like a lot of chemicals in not in most nonstick coatings. That's why pans like the R Place pan that are like non-toxic are so beloved. But they really only release those like bad chemicals if you're cooking with them over high heat. So you definitely don't want to use your nonstick skillet for stir frying because you want to keep it on like medium to medium high heat. You don't want to like be rocking it over high heat. Okay, is this like so boring that I keep wanting to recap because I want to like get it down to the like list. We're talking about two pots, a big one and a smaller one, basically. We're talking about uh, a large skillet, a large saute pan, and then a small nonstick and a small saucepan so far. Oh, and a cast iron. Yeah, it's kind of a long list. We promise we'll put like our brand specific recommendations and a whole super shoppable list in our show notes for this week. So I want to throw in one other pan that is definitely not essential. So maybe I should shut up, but I'm not going to. Um, If you have, you know, some extra money to spare and you really want to like have some flexibility and like outfit your kitchen really nicely just once. I don't believe this is going maximalist. I think this is really useful. A brazer, enamel cast iron brazer, which is basically like a big skillet, but with round, it's all rounded. There's no hard edges on it. And it's great for making like any kind of rice and protein dish all in one, like arroz con pollo, any kind of braise. That's what it's named after. It's really nice. And get one that goes from stovetop to oven. See, I would just use my cast iron skillet for that. My cast iron skillet's a little small. Yeah. So I don't have a big enough one. Like when I'm going to do like, I'm going to braise a big hunk of meat or I'm going to do like a big, like a rose con pollo where yeah, there's lots like of rice. Yeah, short ribs. Yeah. And, yeah. I use my brazer because my, my cast iron isn't big enough. I have wondered if I should get a bigger cast iron. So I would say that is a more affordable direction to go if you want a pan that serves the purpose of what I'm describing for the brazer. But like Megan said, you can get like a great lodge pre-seasoned bigger, you know, cast iron and do all that stuff for much more affordable. I will acquiesce a little bit and say Target has a line of like enameled cast iron that includes brazers and Dutch ovens, which are super affordable. And like if you like to braise a lot and you don't want to fuss with the maintenance of a lodge cast iron skillet that's not enameled, definitely go that direction. Like I really think the thing we can give you a long list of what we use all day long. But if you're not really thinking objectively about like how you actually cook and you're buying pans sort for like aspirational cooking, you're just going to run out of covered space and then be really frustrated. I want to say that I think sheet pans are an essential pan that you should spend money on rather than a brazier. I'm so glad that you went here because I think this is a great step into baking ware too, which I want you to just do as like a like lightning round. Okay. Sheet pans. (laughs) Sheet pans a hundred percent. 
So I like having big sheet pans. I like having half sheet pans. So I think I have like four full-size sheet pans and I might have like six half sheet pans. Yeah. They're like for everything. Okay. So we did, we talked about this with Melissa Clark. Melissa Clark was like, no, you need like 27 sheet pans. (laughs) I I think it's kind of confusing because actually a full sheet pan is what you use in a restaurant and it's actually twice as big as what we would call a full sheet pan. So when you say a full sheet pan, you probably mean an 11 by 17 rimmed baking sheet is what we would call it like in recipe writing jargon. But like if you go to the restaurant supply store and you ask for a full, which is where I would recommend buying sheet pans, by the way, and you ask for a full sheet pan, they're going to give you like the double that size. So Technically, it's a half sheet pan, and then the smaller ones are quarter sheet pans. And I have, like, a big-ass stack of quarter sheet pans. They're really inexpensive, and they're great for, like, oh, I want to roast two sweet potatoes for myself. We also use them a lot for, like, doing burger night, like, lay a piece of parchment on them. Or for nachos, like, lay a piece of aluminum foil on it, and then everyone gets their own little sheet. Perfect for nachos. Totally. Yeah. So I definitely think four, I think four baking sheets, like four half-sized baking baking sheets, yes, is like the minimum that you should have because then you can have two batches of cookie, two pans of cookies in the oven while you're also dosing out the next two pans of cookies. And that's like really where my priorities lie. Like how many cookies can you you bake at one time? And then, yeah, as many of the quarter sheet pans as you have room for. Yes. They're really useful. For sure. So useful. And they're also really helpful for prep too, by the way. Yes. Yes. Wasn't it the lazy genius who shared that she, she doesn't eat dirty like 10 little bowls when she's prepping something like a stir fry and everything needs to be ready at once. She just uses her sheet pan, like piles of the the food. Yes. I mean, I think that's really smart. Saves on dishes too. Okay. So let's talk about baking. Okay. I feel like speaking of sheet pans, you should buy yourself some half size cooling racks. So those are like the little gridded and footed cooling racks that you can set your sheet pans on when you're cooling cookies, but also you can set inside your sheet pan when you want to do things like roast a spatchcock chicken over some veggies. Honestly, you can get away with not having a roasting pan if you have rimmed baking sheet and you have a cooling rack that's oven safe. You can roast your turkey on it. You can do large hunks of meat on it. They're just like very versatile. I also think that they're really, really great for like chicken cutlets. Anything fried that you want to do in the oven, you would want to moisten the breadcrumbs with like oil or butter. So if you're making it homemade from scratch, you can mix them with your fingers with the breadcrumbs before your breading steps. If it's something frozen, use oil spray and then you put it on the rack and that allows air to circulate while it's cooking, which helps it crisp up instead of the meat and the breading sitting on the sheet pan itself and getting soggy. Yes, yes, yes. And if you can afford it, I have the very traditional like stainless steel gridded ones, which are great for a lot of things, but kind of a pain to clean. Oh, such a pain, actually. And I also have two, like they were kind of cheap, I think, at Target, nonstick ones that have less of a grid. So you you can't put everything on them. Basically, they have wider slots in between the wires. Is that the word I want to use? (laughs) 
but they're non-stick. So I can do things like apple chips on them and it's like less, way less sticky. They're just really great also if you're going to drizzle something in chocolate and you want to do the thing where you pour the chocolate over on a pan and then you don't want to deal with like taking a toothbrush and scrubbing out all the little corners of the stainless steel grid. So if you can afford it, definitely get a non-stick and then just a regular like oven safe cooling rack. What else? I think you've got to have a loaf pan for banana breads, quick yep. breads of all kinds, regular bread. I like sort of like this more squared off ones. I think they just are prettier. But honestly, like most of the time you're lining them with parchment paper anyway, so it doesn't really matter. I think that's a place where you could buy something secondhand at like Goodwill or buy something really inexpensive. Same thing with like a nine or an eight inch square pan. That's like the very typical brownies. She kind of like cakes, quick cakes, snacking cakes size that you need. And then everyone needs to have two nine inch cake rounds. I know that that's like not very exciting, but that's the best way to do layer cakes and you have to have it. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm not even a big baker. Okay, but not even for cakes. Like, you can bake a frittata in it. You can bake spaghetti pie in it. It's just really helpful. It's a it's the perfect size for cakes, but then you can use it for, like, a million other things. And then lastly, a cupcake pan, I think, is really essential. Not only for, yes. obviously, cupcakes and muffins, but egg bites. Like, bake in the oven egg bites. We talked about in a recent episode, like, doing those hash brown bites with them. Um, they're just really useful for more than just cupcakes and I think more versatile than we give them credit to if you can afford it to because like a cu- batch of cupcakes makes 24 and it sucks to be waiting on your one pan of 12. <laughs> I would totally wait but I understand. Is it like very revealing of me that I'm like do this so that you don't have to clean and so that you don't have to wait? It is. Well it's funny because you were saying about the cookies. I'm really stingy when I make cookies. I do only one sheet pan at a time because I don't want to clean more than one sheet pan and I don't mind like waiting and doing them in batches. Okay, but real talk, are you cleaning your sheet pans every time you use them? Like even if they're lined with parchment paper and they don't get anything on them? No, not all the time, but I do I will like rinse them and wipe them. I do. Okay, well you're a better person than me because I don't <laughs> pause. And a lot of what I'm doing on my sheet pans involves olive oil and salt. Yes, one hundred percent of the like, time. Like even with like, parchment lined or aluminum, you know, unless I've lined it with aluminum foil, which I'm not gonna do with baking stuff. Yeah, right. Okay. I think that's a really good distinction. Even if there's parchment or foil lining, if we're doing like a sheet pan nachos. Or I'm like roasting chicken cutlets or whatever. If there's any kind of like meat happening on it, it's definitely getting washed. But yeah, I don't. Megan, I'm I just think, like doing cookies. I, think I feel this like is what it comes down to. Like you bake cookies more than me. <laughs> You're like hell no, I'm not washing it every time I bake cookies. I don't bake cookies very often. So that makes my life sound really sad. No, I feel embarrassed that people are going to be like, wow, I don't want to eat your cookies now because you have dirty ass sheep hands. I feel like people are going to be like, I don't want to go to your house. You don't even bake cookies for your kids. That's sad. Okay. I feel like we are going to have- That went down a dark road. I know. I know. I feel like we're going to have to cover uh, some other secondary essentials. Maybe it's like appliances that we love. All of our like small like spatulas and scales and measuring cups and stuff that we love are in our tools under $50 episode, which we'll be sure to link to in these show notes. But let us know like what are the gaps you need filled? 
That's a great one. And also Instant Pot, Blender, Slow Cooker. We've covered them all. Air Fryer, all in their own. I know what we have to do before we end. We've covered all of those things all in their own episodes. But I want to end on something a little controversial just for fun. Oh, God. Okay. Here we go. Toaster. I was literally just texting with my friend Amanda about this this week because I burned the out of some tortillas I was trying to crisp up to make like taco pizzas. And she was like, girl, you don't have a toaster? I was like, I do not have a toaster. I just use my broiler to toast everything. And she was like, same. And literally like one every 10 times I just burn burn the crap out of whatever I'm using you'd think I would just like buy a toaster yeah, I have just room buy to store a it damn toaster <laughs> in my garage I even got a PR email recently that was like do you want this like magical touch screen toaster and I was like no that should go to our tools editor I have zero interest listen but you have a toaster I have a toaster but I have it's literally a ten dollar toaster from Target like it's a pop like you put your two yeah. pieces of bread and you pop it down. Like that's it. The fanciest part about it is that it has the slots expand so you can fit a bagel. I mean, that's very I'm not, fancy. <laughs> I'm not here for toaster ovens, but I don't know, whatever. I I I know like a lot of people are really opposed to like starting their broiler or heating up their oven. I also use my microwave a bunch, so I don't know. I think Brian would be really happy if we got a toaster. I should probably that would be a good I father's day gift. <laughs> No, not on Father's Day, but a gift. I'm yes. joking, you guys. I wouldn't a, do that's him like, like that. It's like if Mike got me a vacuum for Mother's Day, I'd become murderous. Ah, no. All right. Okay. On that happy note. On that happy note, <laughs> we started with knives and we're ending with murder. It seems appropriate. <laughs> hey, make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter to get an exclusive recipe every week, plus our favorite finds every Friday, you can subscribe at didn'tijustfeedyou.com or follow the link in our Instagram bio. Speaking of Instagram, you can find us there and also on Facebook as at didn't I just feed you. Just keep in mind that the real Facebook fun is happening in that listeners group we talked about earlier. The answer to be let in is whiskey. You'll understand when you come a knocking. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to didn't I just feed you this very podcast wherever you're listening so that you don't miss a single episode. Do you know I'm always dancing when we're doing the send-off? It so oh, really? feels like appropriate because I know Samantha is going to put the music here and I'm going to say, our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jamendo. A huge thank you to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. Sam, we couldn't do it without you. I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. My favorite kind of food is probably bacon, which I'm kind of sad about bacon because I like pigs, but I feel very sad that people turn pigs into bacon. <laughs>